All right, welcome back. Chapter 6, Lifting and Moving Patients. Uh, before we even begin, I was just going to be honest and tell you that you're going to lift and move um, a lot of patients in, in this uh, profession. Um, it's the nature of the beast. Um, so that's why this chapter is so important to pay attention to, proper lifts and moves, so that you don't hurt yourself early on, and um, then you won't be able to do the job and have a long-lasting career and a lot of back injuries. So. All right, body mechanics for safe lifting, general guidelines for lifting and moving, lifting and moving patients, packaging for transportation, general guidelines for carrying a patient using a backboard portable stretcher or flexible stretcher. Okay, here's your case study. Remember, in the case study, when we get to the questions, you can pause, please pause and write down the questions. I'm not gonna spend too much time on the screen. Um, so that you can answer those questions as we go along. All right. EMTs have just arrived on the scene of a 62-year-old woman, a 60-year-old woman, who injured, wow. EMTs have just arrived on the scene of a 60-year-old man who injured his neck and back when he fell down 12 wooden steps, landing on a concrete floor. As they provide spine motion restriction precautions and conduct their assessment, Brett estimates that the patient, who is over 6 feet tall, weighs about 260 pounds. The patient complains of numbness to his arms and legs and sharp neck pain. What factors should Brett and Annie consider in deciding how to get the patient from the basement to the ambulance? Take this time and pause and write this question down. Alright, intro. Nearly every EMS call requires lifting and moving patients. Improper lifting and moving can lead to EMT and patient injuries. EMTs can take a number of measures to reduce the risk of injury. Four basic uh, body mechanics. Uh, these are different methods, th these are efficient methods, excuse me, of using the body to gain a mechanical advantage. Using good mechanics will minimize injury. Keep the weight of the object as close to the body as possible. Use the leg, hip, and gluteal muscles when lifting. That means your uh, your upper legs, those big quadricep and hamstring muscles, uh, your hip flexors, and your gluteal muscles or your butt muscles, your buttocks. Stack the shoulders, hips, and feet, meaning you want them stacked up. You want your feet, your hips, and your shoulders to be as in a stack right on top of each other. Reduce the height or distance through which the object must be moved. Apply the principles of body mechanics to lifting, carrying, moving, reaching, pushing, and pulling. Keep the spine in alignment. Do not curb your spine either way. You will injure it eventually. It might not be the first or second time or the third time, but eventually you're going to, if you keep doing that, curving your spine, you might go home and say, man, my back sure has been hurting lately. Well, keep your spine in alignment. Whenever possible, substitute equipment for manual force. All right, posture and fitness. Poor posture and fitness can fatigue back and abdominal muscles, increasing the risk of injury. Lordosis and kyphosis. These are conditions. Lordosis is excessive inward curvature of the spine. And kyphosis is excessive outward curvature of the spine causing hunching of the back. Okay, so 
Lordosis, leaning too far back. Kyphosis, leaning too far forward, curving the spine in either direction, uh, is a poor posture. Always be aware of your posture. All right, extremes of poor posture are excessive, uh, are excessive lordosis or sway back, uh, which you see on the right, and excessive kyphosis, which is slouch, which you see in, on the left. And you can see where the white part of the spine here is normal, and then you have the kyphosis, and same over here, then you have the lordosis. And you can remember like lordosis meaning the lower, low, lower, lower, lower part of the back. All right. Proper standing posture, ears, shoulders, and hips are in a vertical alignment. Pelvis is slightly tucked forward. Knees are slightly bent. Proper sitting, ears, shoulders, and hips are in a vertical alignment. Pelvis is slightly tucked forward. Weight is evenly distributed on both ischia. And feet are flat on floor or cross at ankles. The ischia is going to be those um, outer part of the pelvis bones. Okay, good body mechanics cannot fully compensate for poor physical fitness. Components of physical fitness mean flexibility, strength, cardiovascular conditioning, and nutrition. All right, click on the word from the highlighted pair in each statement to complete each statement most accurately. To lift a heavy object, use the muscles of the... And if you chose legs, you are correct. To lift a heavy object, use the muscles of the legs. An excessive lumbar curve resulting in swayback is called, remember L, lumbar, or lower, L for lordosis. If you chose, chose lordos, lordosis, you are correct. An excessive lumbar curve resulting in swayback is called lordosis. All right. All right, communication and teamwork. Um, don't you're gonna have a team out there of at least you and another partner, and you know don't don't make it a habit of being the lone ranger because um, it's gonna come back and bite you in the butt or cause you to have an injured back. All right, all team members must prop be properly trained. Team members should be physically matched when lifting. That means uh, you don't want someone taking more of the weight than the other, so you want to try to even it out. Uh, and you want to, I, I know it's probably impossible, but you want to try to have a partner that's the same size and strength as you, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot, 290 pounds, and my partner is five foot four and 135 pounds. So, you know, sometimes you can and sometimes you, you just don't, all right? Uh, communicate and coordinate through the, throughout the lift. Him and I do that well. Um, that way we don't hurt each other or, or cause each other to get hurt. And then tell the patient what you're doing. God forbid the patient is unprepared for you to lift them and you lift them uh, quickly and then they flail their arms and legs out and fall off of whatever you got them on and cause injury. Not a good thing. So tell them, hey, be prepared. We're about to lift you up. One, two, three. Everybody knows what's going on and the patient is up. Using good teamwork. Size up the scene immediately and accurately. Consider the weight of the patient. Be aware of abilities and limitations of each team member. Select most appropriate equipment for the job. I'll tell you a story real quick. I had a cancer patient who fell in a bathroom um, she uh, hurt her back, so we didn't want to uh, have her stand. 
So we laid her flat in the supine position, which you'll, under, you'll know what that means later on in this course. And then we applied a scoop stretcher, which is just a metal frame stretcher. And, but it comes apart on the ends, and you put one side under the patient, and then the other side, and you hook it back together, and you scoop them up without having to, you know, use a lot of gross motor movement, moving them, and possibly injuring them further, okay? All right, general guidelines for lifting and moving. Know your abilities and limitations. If you go to work and your back's hurt or something like that, and you just don't think you're strong, or you don't think you're strong enough to lift, you need to say something, because if you go to lift that patient, and drop them, they're gonna hurt them, you might hurt yourself, you might even hurt your partner, okay? Consider the weight of the patient and of the equipment being used. I mean, you have a patient that's 300 plus, which we're in Southeast Louisiana, you can get that a lot. Um, you have to consider that, and you have to consider, if I add any equipment to this person, you have to consider the weight of the equipment, so everything you add to the situation is gonna become weight. There's no shame in calling for help to help you lift the patient. No shame whatsoever, okay? Please do so. Use an even number of rescuers if you can. If you have at least, use at least two. I mean, if you're by yourself, which I don't ever think that'll be the case, but if you find yourself by yourself, then please get on that radio and call for help, okay? Um, don't hurt yourself. Anticipate muscle fatigue. The more you use your muscles, the tired are they going to get without rest. So that's why it's important for when you get off your shift to go home and rest because you're going to be tired. All right, the power lift. The power lift offers the best defense against injury and promotes a safe and stable move. Use a power grip. You see that hand right there? It is gripping underneath and not over the top. Here we go. Power lift. You see them there in position. And uh, this is one of the old... Uh, Non-automatic stretchers is what we have in the classroom, and you'll you'll understand when we get to lifting people on it. Uh, get in position. Your feet should be about shoulder width apart. Turn slightly outward and flat on the ground. Use a gloved finger to pull and cuff out and down on the other glove. Do not touch the inside of the glove. I don't. This is that. Okay, so that little thing at the top is for taking off your gloves so uh, scratch that but you see these people you see they're standing and then they go straight down the guy on the right kind of looks like he's doing a little kyphosis here the, guy, the girl on the right on the left right here looks like she's got straight spine that's what you're looking for okay <clears throat> as you return to a standing position make sure your back is locked in and your upper body comes up before your hips okay so when they go from here to here they're using those leg and hip those leg muscles and those hip flexors please do not use your back okay the squat lift so that's a power lift okay coming from here to here to here um that, that so they're using it on the stretcher you know obviously to get that stretcher up and um ready for movement all right, the squat lift. The squat lift is an alternative technique if you have a weak leg or ankle in performing this technique avoid bending at the waist all right, in the squat lift, your weaker leg stays slightly forward, and you push up with your stronger leg. That stretches all the way to the ground. Um, One-handed equipment carrying technique. Keep your back in a locked position. Maintain proper body mechanics. <clears throat> Avoid leaning to the opposite side to compensate for imbalance. <clears throat> so 
Obviously, this is him in, in, in a motion of picking up the bag. I mean, I hope he doesn't walk like this, but he's picking up the bag. All right, he's going to keep his back straight, and he's not going to toss it over his shoulder. He's going to let his hand grip and do the job while he holds his back straight and his whole body supports the weight. Reaching, get as close to the object being lifted as possible to decrease the effort needed. Limit reaching to 15 to 20 inches in front of your body. Keep the back locked in and do not twist. Pushing and pulling. When possible, push rather than pull. If you must pull, keep the load between your shoulders and hips and close your body. And close to your body, excuse me. Keep your back straight and slightly bend your knees. Um, you'll, you'll do a lot of pushing and pulling whenever you transfer patients from a stretcher to the hospital bed. Um, they do have these cool things called slide boards where you take the sheet that the patient's laying on and you roll it up and you roll the patient to one side and you stick the slide board under their hips, roll the patient back down, grab that sheet, and whoop, they go right over with hardly any effort. It is an amazing tool. It will save your back. All right. Proper pulling and pushing. These stretchers for us tall people, you see he's barely got a grip on there. Uh, they do have a handle that you can grab and pull up up here, but it, it moves. And, you know, if you got somebody back here that's in a hurry and they keep pushing the stretcher, you know, you're like, you're running me over, you know. But um, it, it's just a pain in the butt to pull that stretcher. And somebody needs to be down here by the feet because this person back here with a full load cannot steer. It, and especially if they go like on an incline or something like that, cannot steer. All right, emergency moves. An emergency move should be performed when there is immediate danger to the patient or to the rescuer. Only time you should perform an emergency move. There are three. The armpit forearm drag, the shirt drag, and the blanket drag. We're going to show you. Armpit forearm drag, keep behind the patient, hands under the armpit, grab, your, grab their forearms with your uh, hands and stand up and start running backwards with them. The shirt drag, you basically grab them by their collar, and if you can, tie their arms up, okay, so that their arms are not flailing and hitting things as you move them, and you move them quickly. And then the blanket drag, if you got, if they're on a blanket or something like that, you can wrap them up in a blanket and roll out. Okay, urgent moves. An urgent move is performed when the patient is suffering an immediate threat to life and must be moved quickly and transported for care. So you have rapid um, extrication and Self-extrication. Um, rapid extrication is you're going in there, you're trying to take as much spinal immobilization or spinal uh, precaution as you can and getting them out on the backboard on the stretcher in the truck and gone um, without manipulating the spine too much. And then self-extrication is the patient has gotten themselves out. Okay, You're still monitoring spinal precautions, but if they're, if they're elevating, oops, if they're elevating themselves, uh, or excuse me, extricating themselves, then um, you can pretty much uh, bank on it. They don't have a serious spinal injury, but we still want to take precaution. Non-urgent moves is one in which no immediate threat to life exists, and the patient can be moved in a normal manner when ready for transport. Hopefully, this will be the majority of the moves you commit. Um, they are direct ground lift, extremity lift, direct carry method and the draw street method draw sheet method and here we go put the patient on the side 
If the third rescuer is available, he should slide both arms under the waist while the first two rescuers move their arms up and down as appropriate. Okay? See how they're squatted down? They roll her up on their knee. Okay? Up to their knee and roll toward their chest. And they stand up and then, on a single move, move the patient to the carrying device or your stretcher. Let's go through that again. They roll her up. Stand up and put her on the stretcher. Extremity lift. One rescuer should put one hand under each arm and grasp the wrist. The wrist. The other should slip hands under the knees and see they are squatted down. The majority of the weight closest to their body. Um, men and women, please do not straddle the legs. So because when, when you go up, they are going to kick you in the groin. Not on purpose, but. It'll be all your fault, but it still hurt. Both rescuers should move up to a crouching and then standing position. There they are, standing up, and let's get her. Now, you want to make sure your stretcher, you see their stretcher is right here. You want to make sure your stretcher is as close to you as possible because you don't want to have to walk with this patient very far. Up and to the stretcher. Direct carry. Okay, position your arms under the patient and slide the patient to the edge of the bed. This is for a bed move, okay? Roll the patient towards you, curl towards your chest, stand up and put her on the stretcher. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to make it a whole lot easier. This is great, but if you can't get your stretcher to the bed. So you can move that nightstand over here, right there. Move that stretcher over there, lower it down to the level of the bed. And then guess what? Use a sheet or a slide board to slide her onto the stretcher. Yay. Alright, but you can do this. A draw sheet method, and here we go from stretcher to hospital bed. Stretchers, every time you use your stretcher, you're going to replace the sheet on it. And because, and every time, you're not going to use the same sheet for every patient because some people are gross and just unsanitary. So they're going to reach across the stretcher. Now, this is great, but I want to throw something at you here, real quick. Um, what they got the rail up over here. You can see it on the stretcher as to, so he won't roll on the floor. So he may not roll on the floor, but what if they pull that sheet and he just rolls right back on the stretcher? And he's got some kind of injury to his hips, legs, whatever. He just rolls right back on the stretcher because <laughs> all your patients aren't going to look like this guy well-dressed and doing everything you tell them to do. So one rescuer is going to get over here, put your hands, draw that sheet up as good as you can, get in the center of his body. You might put a slide board in there if he's heavy. If not, if he's a little like this guy, you don't need one. Uh, your partner's going to get on this side, same position, draw the sheet up, put that thing down, and you are going to pull, and he's going to push, or you might swap, and you push, and he pulled. Um, that's going to be ideal, because I'm telling you right now, if I go to pull this kid on this sheet, he's going to roll right off. Now, you see this guy, he doesn't have his hands under this leg right here, which According to this next picture, he should have. So you can you can try to fool somebody else, guys, because I'm going to call it like I see it. But somebody needs to be on the other side of that patient. All right. All right. Brett and Annie determined that the patient's injuries are were potentially serious, but that he did not have any immediate problems with his airway breathing or circulation. 
They recognize that the mechanism of injury, pain, and numbness put the patient at risk for spinal injury and also that they would require assistance because of the patient's size and because it would be necessary to carry him up the stairs. As Brett completed the assessment, Annie radioed for additional personnel to assist with lifting. What equipment should the EMTs anticipate they will need to lift and move the patient? All right, pause right there. Write those questions down. Okay, packaging for transport. Packaging means uh, readying the patient for transport. We're going to pack them up in a nice little package and get them to the hospital. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Once the patient is stabilized, select and prepare a carrying device and move the patient to the ambulance. Some equipment that you're going to use will be a wheeled stretcher. You've all seen the yellow and black stretchers on the ambulances, maybe some red and black ones, but most, mostly the yellow and black ones are pretty, pretty much the popular ones now. Uh, they can accommodate up to 650 pounds, uh, limited to use on smooth terrain. Well, I guess it all depends on who you are. Uh, you, can you need to fasten all straps to secure the patient and never leave the patient unattended. Please, <laughs> never put your patient on a stretcher that's four or five feet up off the ground and walk away. Because if they shift or anything like that, turn that thing over, they're going down. <laughs> it's going to tip over on them, I'm sorry. So uh, it's always something you need, you need. Somebody needs to be watching, standing right there next to the patient. All right. EMTs move a wheel stretcher into position to load into the ambulance. To rescue or stretcher carry. Um, we're going to go over this um, probably in this chapter, but I'm going to tell you right now. If you that if you that strong, go right ahead. I mean, most ambulances now have stair chairs, and you'll see what a stair chair is later. Um, I know why they're doing that uh, because of the rocks. So, okay. I'm just going to say you're going to adapt and overcome most of these cases, but you can do this. Um, a wheel stretcher roll-in type. So, uh, a roll-in type. So, there's all the stretchers have wheels. Uh, all these big stretchers have wheels. The ones that go in the back of the bus. So, you can roll them in and out. Okay. Uh, bariatric stretchers and devices. Designed to hold up to 1,600 pounds. Um, and there, there will be a bariatric truck as well, usually for these big stretchers. Portable stretcher, useful to carry patients in confined spaces for calls involving more than one patient. Um, and there we have a portable ambulance stretcher with continuous tubular metal framing. Um, you're not going to leave them on that. You're going to put them on your wheel stretcher once you get them in the back of the ambulance, or once you get it to them to it, and then you put that in the back of the ambulance. Um, canvas litter basically you get you can have two people one in the front here and one in the back or you can have one on each handle uh all right there it is the stair chair it is so awesome if you can open it you always need to, you always need to know how to operate your equipment it's useful when a wheel stretcher cannot traverse narrow walking spaces or stairs do not use for patients with altered mental status spinal injury or lower extremity injury and you'll see why Moving a patient upstairs in a stair chair. I don't know why we would go up, but I guess it's possible. So I guess they want to show you that, but you can. See how they, they have the handles back here and they have the handles down at the bottom and one person walks backwards while another person guides and the other person is in the front. 
All right, moving a patient down the stairs in a stair chair, spotter below. You know, you just it's good if you got a spotter, but I'm going to tell you right now, two-man crews, don't count on it. But, hey, the fire department's there, police is there. Hey, can you watch me back up down these steps? Thank you. All right, this is the stair chair on the left that you are probably going to use uh, most of the time. Um, those are mechanical tracks. Now, they're not powered by a motor, but you would, well, the one on the right is, but the one on the left is what you're going to use mostly. And it's not powered by a motor, but these, these little tracks right here, man, they are so awesome. They'll do all the work for you. All you have to do is hold that thing steady. Because what happens is, is once you get your patient there, the patient is facing downstairs. So you're going to tell them, hey, look, I'm going to tilt you back, but you're not going to fall. Do not stick your arms and legs out and freak out. Their feet are resting right here. You grab the top of this bar, your partner grabs those handles, and you tilt that patient back. And these little guys right here catch those steps and just slide right down. It's so awesome. All you have to do is make sure you don't let go. Saves on the back, trust me. All right, backboards. Used for spine motion restriction and carrying. Long spinal board, short spinal board, vest type immobilizers, and full body vacuum mattresses. And we're going to show you. There is a long spine board. Uh, some of you that have watched the Cadian, you've seen their dark green spine board. You may have seen a yellow spine board. But they're all like this. They're all hard and rigid, and they have little handles right here so people can grab and pick up, and you can put straps in here and strap the patient down. This is called a Kendrick extrication device or a KED device. This goes on a patient who is sitting in a car or sitting, and you have to immobilize them. Uh, this is around... This is obviously the back portion. This wraps around their torso and straps them in. These straps go under their legs and over. This goes around their head, and the head is padded with a C collar and straps them in. And um, you can that this this is immobilized their their everything from their cervical down to their lumbar spine. And now you can uh, get them out of the car without having to uh, twist their spine too much. All right, full body vacuum mattress can be used for immobilization or for moving the patient. Um, the patient is secured onto the rigid conforming vacuum mattress as seen. And then they pump it up and it just, sorry, they don't tell you all this, but uh, they, you put them on it, secure them down, and you pump it up and it just vacuums. It, it pumps up air around them and conforms to their body. So I, I don't see any point in using these things, especially if you have to hand pump it. But, uh, okay. I guess if you're in a, in a situation like out in the wilderness or something to where this is all you had, I guess so. All right. Scoop stretcher. I believe, I believe, I believe in a scoop stretcher. It can be assembled and disassembled around the patient, and it's, but it's not recommended for patients with spinal injuries. Well, you be the judge of that. All right, so scoop stretcher right here and right here. This little guy comes apart, and you would roll the patient up, not too much, but just slide that under. Then same thing on the other side, strap them in, pick them up, and this is for where you can't get a long spine board in or it's really enclosed, but you can get half of that stretcher in there. Trust me, it is a wonderful thing. And that, that's a pretty one. They don't have to look pretty. They'll always do the job. Okay, basket stretchers, also called Stokes baskets, accommodate scoop stretchers and most backboards and can be placed on a wheeled stretcher. 
There you go. You'll see most, you've seen probably some basket stretchers in like water rescues or high mountain rescues where they, you know, they want them in a basket so they don't roll out. And, well, there you go. Over rough terrain. They can hook, they can hook, they can hook lines to that stretcher and pick them up with a helicopter if they needed to. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. A flexible stretcher, also called a reeve stretcher, is useful in restricted spaces. Um, we call these man bags. Um, so it's a big tarp, you know, and you get your patient on it and strap them down, and they got all these little handles. You pick them up and roll out. Okay, click on the best device for moving a patient. Moving an unresponsive patient, keyword unresponsive patient, from upstairs bedroom to the ground floor. Upstairs bedroom from a ground to the ground floor. Unresponsive patient. Okay, if you chose a scoop stretcher, you would be correct. Remember, um, let's go back. A stair chair needs to be for a responsive patient, a wheel stretcher. That's a big, bulky item. It's going to be hard to get them from, you know, up the stairs, but you can. A short backboard, well, we need it for the whole patient. So, screw stretcher is our correct answer. Um, it is a long backboard. Portable stretcher or flexible stretcher would be a good choice for moving an unresponsive patient up or downstairs to then be placed on a wheel stretcher. Okay. Patient positioning. Patients are most commonly placed in supine or sitting position. Special considerations based on the patient's condition include a position of comfort. So if they're responsive and they say, I feel better sitting up, sit them up. Um, the supine position is laying flat on their back. Um, most of your unresponsive patients are going to be like this. I personally wouldn't set, sit an uh, unresponsive patient up because then they tend to teeter-totter to the left and right and fall off your stretcher. Uh, position on the left side, that is a, uh, you know, uh, they may feel better that way, especially if you got a patient that might be vomiting. Um, lateral recumbent position, it can be on the left or the right. It's for recovery from seizures. Uh, if you're afraid the patient's going to vomit, that sort of thing. We'll get into a lot of this stuff when we get to anatomy and physiology. Other special considerations, infants and toddlers. What are you going to do? Put an infant on a big, long, big old, huge stretcher without a car seat? Uh-oh. Um, well, they make these things called a PD-mate, and it's basically hooks to your stretcher, and then it straps them in like a car seat. It's pretty kind of cool. Uh, pregnant females. We'll teach you how to position pregnant females um, because laying them on their back can be detrimental to their health. Uh, not, not necessarily kill them, but, you know, it's, uh, it makes them very uncomfortable. Elderly patients. Um, elderly patients have a lot of conditions, so um, we want to make sure we have these patients comfortable. Uh, patients with physical disabilities. Got to consider that. I've transported a lot of patients that have been have amputated legs and arms, and you know you have to man those little those those things stick out of the stretcher, and um, you know you can hit them and and cause them cause injury to those those body parts, and you don't want to do that. Okay. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. And patients with physical oh, yeah, okay. Tasks to perform. <clears throat> decontaminate the patient if needed. I mean, if you need to decontaminate your patient, that's fine. Because um, it's the less mess you got to clean up on your stretcher. 
Manage the airway appropriately. Leave the chest accessible. Secure all equipment. Communicate with the patient. Cover eyes, ears, and exposed wounds. That's for you so that you don't get... Um, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> Packaging patients for air transport. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Let me back up here. Air transport. No, I was wondering why this is weird. Okay. Uh, again, decontaminate the patient if you need to. Um, manage the airway appropriately. That Basically, all this is saying is don't give your patient to an air med crew or, or a flight crew that's not managed properly. Leave the chest accessible. Secure all equipment. Communicate with the patient. Cover eyes, ears, and exposed wounds, um, especially on you and your patient because of the rotor of the helicopter is kicking up a lot of dust. Listen to the directions of the flight crew, okay? Uh, because you don't want to walk into a rotor or anything like that and, and die. <laughs> it sounds bad, but it's true. All right. Um, general guidelines. Use a wheel stretcher if possible uh, for carrying patients. Uh, secure the patient's hands. Please, please secure their hands because... Um, you don't, I mean, unresponsive patients, it's going to relax. Their hands are going to, arms are going to go out to the side. You're going to be hitting them on doors and lamps and whatever else is in the way. Consider your lifting limitations. Know your, know your limitations. Constantly communicate with your partner. Keep weight close to the body. Two person carry. Position one person at the patient's head and one at the feet with the stronger person at the head. The rescuers must be facing each other. The EMT at the foot must walk backward. If there's a third person, use him as a spotter. A four-person carry. One rescuer at the head, one rescuer at the foot facing away from the rescuer at the head. A rescuer on each side facing forward. Alternate, alternatively, if I can speak right today, two rescuers at the head and two at the foot. Carrying a supine patient on stairs. Supine meaning they're laying on their back. A stair chair is preferred, but not always feasible. Ensure that the patient is secured to the device. Secure the patient's hands and use a spotter. Neonatal isolate. It's used for transportation of newborns. Engages in the stretcher mounts of the ambulance. Um, I'm going to just... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you probably won't do this as an EMT basic unless you're riding with a critical care paramedic who's been trained in critical care. Okay. All right, case study conclusion. A rescue engine with a crew of four arrived to assist Brett and Annie. The team log rolled the patient and then secured him to a long backboard. The stairs were narrow and difficult to navigate, but the four firefighters, two at each end of the backboard, were able to carry the patient up the stairs with Brett and Annie acting as spotters. Look at that first sentence. A rescue engine crew arrived to help. Once they were at the top of the stairs, the firefighters placed the patient on a wheel stretcher and secured him to it for transport to the ambulance. Brett continued care on the way to the hospital while Annie notified the receiving facility that they would require lifting assistance Excuse me, on arrival. All right, I left our lesson summary today. Lifting and moving patients is performed on almost every call. These are key EMT skills that require special techniques, knowing the capabilities of the crew and equipment when organizing lifts and moves. Always exercise safety for yourself and your patient. I know this was a quick chapter, but I will tell you that it's probably one of the most important chapters and most important skills as an EMT because you will lift 
and move a lot of things and a lot of people in this job. So please study it and please know it. Um, you will see it on test, I can assure you. All right.